I asked Chuck if he could help me get the live streaming going, and so he pushed the start button. Yeah. <laughs> well, good morning. I did want to make mention also, and if Chuck mentioned this, I'm sorry to repeat this, but the Coast Pregnancy Center is our missionary of the week, so do pray for them uh, throughout the week. You can pray for them next week, too. I'm sure they would appreciate that. I told uh, Pastor Caleb that it's, it's a difficult thing for me to preach a message kind of in the middle of a bunch of other messages that the pastor's been preaching. It's, it's a little easier for me, and I'm not saying it's easy, but it's easier for me to preach through a book, uh, a letter, because when I get an opportunity to, to share with my brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a myriad of things going around in my, my brain uh, and in my heart, things that I've been thinking about um, and all of that. So just in case uh, I'm unable to bring things together as I would like to, I want you to know that there's really three particular things that I want you to think about or want us to think about today. And one of them is there's a very short list of things that are not susceptible to change, and they are each dependent upon the one who we gather together this morning to rejoice in. We must rejoice in the Lord always, or these changes will draw us away from the Lord and cause much struggle and division in the body of Christ. And in a world where things change, whether over time or with little notice, we must daily remain mindful of and not forget who we are in Christ. We sang some songs about who we are in Christ, and we, not, we must be mindful of that on a daily basis. If I had to title the message, it would be a long title. It would say something like this, the very few things that never change these are the most important things. I want to start by uh, looking at Paul's letter to the Philippian believers. So if you want to turn to Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 9 of Philippians chapter 4. Paul wrote these words, inspired by God, we know. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Iodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. 
Yes, I also ask you, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. As I was looking at that passage of Scripture, one of the things that came to my mind is often when we look at this passage, we, we talk about these two women, wonder what the dispute was. God doesn't tell us. But I would challenge each one of us to read that passage of Scripture. Put your name in there. Put my name in there. We need to agree in the Lord. And that's a, that's a big thing. I don't really know if we know exactly what that means because we know there are very few believers on the face of the earth who agree on everything pertaining to the faith. But I think... I think we have clear guidance and direction from the Lord through his word that there are certain things that stand above all other things as the things that we need to have agreement on. One of those things is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where the Apostle Paul wrote, For I delivered to you as of first importance... What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. I would start there. It's a good place to start to have agreement on that which the apostle deemed as the matter of first importance. And time would run out if we were to go down a long list of other things, but I would just say this. We need, and I'm not, I, I am talking about Lewis and Clark Bible Church, but I'm talking about the church, God's church, Christ's church, the body of Christ. We need to have agreement on the foundational truths of the faith. 
We need to have agreement. We, we need to have understanding about the church, its purpose, its role in the world, and ultimately our collective hope as members of it. There's a, this is very ironic, there's like three main passages of scripture that I hope to look at today. That one, and two out of the book of James. Ironically, in the last 24 hours, I've received, uh, Ellen has been funneling some emails from Steve Molsey, Uh, to the church and Steve has referenced two of those passages which I found uh, telling one of them is this if you want to turn if you want to turn there you can it's in James chapter 4 been thinking a lot of this passage for some time Starting in verse 13, we're just going to read verses 13, 14, and 15. James wrote, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Let me suggest real quickly that although... He uses these words about going to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. I personally believe that we all think like this at times, where we just say today or tomorrow we're going to do this, that, or the other thing. But verse 14 says this, And probably if I could ask that you uh, remember, again, one or two things, this would be one of them. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. That's That's a profound truth, isn't it? There's not a person in this room who knows, who knows... You might have some thoughts about what tomorrow is going to bring, but you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you, or instead we, ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. I think oftentimes we just get busy in life and we forget that point that I don't know what tomorrow brings if the Lord wills I'll do this or we'll do that one of the emails that Steve sent that I again just received this morning He said this in the email. I'll quote his words. 
Live in the moment, people. None of us know what the next morning will bring. That's the verse he was thinking of. Live in the moment. None of us know what the next morning will bring. It's true, isn't it? None of us know. Um, I don't know that this, that everybody would have the same thought about this because we all have different perspectives on things. We've all been believers at, for different periods of time. But in the nearly going on, getting closer to the 40 years that it's been since the time that God intervened in my life, caused me to be born again, placed me in the body of Christ. I don't know that I've ever witnessed the level of... uh, I don't know if disunity would be the right word. uh, Lack of agreement in the church that I've seen in the last couple of years. I can remember a time when the discussions amongst believers were about Bible things. (laughs) Things that mattered a lot. And it doesn't take anyone too much to look around the church and I will say I'm I'm not going to say just the church in America the church in the world and see the effect that some events in the last couple of years have had on the church I'm not I'm I'm concerned about the salvation of those who don't know Christ but I'm talking about the church not just out there in the general world. In our country, we had a presidential election that, to this day, divisive in the church. I expect it to be divisive out there in the world, but in the church, a virus. Vaccines masks, and now a war. Not what do you think about John 3 or (laughs) grace or things like that, but things that have taken so much energy and time from our minds, our ministries, our churches. And I really do believe that the church, his church, has suffered for it. So it begs the question, for me anyway, why? Why? 
How can things like that have that kind of impact on the church, the body of Christ? And I think the passage that we read already gives us, again, some insight into it. It's not, it, we, we, could, we could talk about it for a long time and think of why this, why that, why do we think these ways. But back in Philippians, chapter 4, starting in verse 4, remember what it said. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Two things. One, we are called to be people who rejoice. But make no mistake, we are called to be people who are called to rejoice in the Lord and in the Lord only, and all that that means. That is why we can rejoice always, right? There's nothing that can come, nothing that can happen, not a change that can happen that can impact our ability to rejoice in him because he never changes, says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Other translations say gentleness. Hmm. How do we let reasonableness and gentleness be known to everyone if we're not possessing it? If we're not taking hold of it? In a little bit, if we get there, um, I'll talk about this more, but there are things that the believers have that are independent upon our attitudes, our thoughts, our choices that we make in day-to-day life. There are things that we have because of what God has done and what God has promised and they're independent of us. There are some other things that God has provided for us or longs to give us, but oftentimes they seem out of our grasp. Rejoicing, resting, having peace. It's a very interesting thing. I don't know of a brother or sister in Christ who doesn't want to rest in him, who doesn't want to have peace in him, that doesn't want to rejoice in him. And these things are not a mystery, right? They're, they're, not, they're not things that God has kept from us. He's told us how to have these things. He's told us the value of these things. He goes on and says, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, 
but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The Lord is at hand. Uh, many people look at that passage and, and they say, well, the writer is talking about the truth that the Lord's coming is at hand. And that is true, isn't it? Very true. It is a promise that we have. It is something that is going to happen. But I also like to look at that and remember that the Lord is at hand. He's right here. He's with me. He's actually in me. He's in you. And when I think of it that way, that, that's really, isn't it, why I can be called to be someone who's There's no one in this room that has reached this place. I know that. But that doesn't change the fact that God has said, do not be anxious about what? Anything. That's, how do we do that? By rejoicing in the Lord always, always, and remembering constantly who we are in him. Are we people who in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving in our hearts, let our requests be made known to God? That's what we're told to do. Doesn't mean we do it, but it is the, it is the right way. And the result... Again, the result that God has indicated he will provide, it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The reason I know that I and many of us have not done a very good job at this is that oftentimes our hearts and our minds don't seem to be very well guarded from all of these things that go on. He goes on and writes, finally, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I believe the New American Standard says, dwell on these things. What are you thinking about every day? What are we dwelling on every day? Is it these things? Is it the things that are true and honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, 
things worthy of praise. It says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Ooh, that hurts, doesn't it? Practice these things. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Oftentimes, and I don't think we set out to do this, but oftentimes I think where we're at is we're thinking about everything else but these things, dwelling on everything else but these things, and asking God to give me peace. And that doesn't appear to be the way that God has designed it to be. We could come up with a list of things. I, you know, we, I think you can insert the name Jesus on all of these things. Jesus is the one who's true and honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, worthy of praise. Think about him. Dwell on him. And again, the promise... And the peace of God will be with you. Or the God of peace will be with you. There are, as I mentioned, a, what I would call a relatively short list of things that never change in this life. It's a short list, but they're extremely important for our life in Christ on this earth. And I would encourage you, I would encourage my, I I would hope that I would find myself here taking note of these things and reminding myself of these things regularly. And the first one is the probably the most obvious. God does not change. God does not change. He declared himself in Malachi 3, 6, For I, the Lord, do not change. We call that God's immutability. He's not subject to or even susceptible to change. We, 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 we should cherish that in an ever-changing world. The word of God does not change. 1 Peter 1.25 says, But the word of the Lord endures forever. The word does not change. The other obvious is Jesus does not change. Hebrews 13, 8, the author wrote, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Another unchangeable thing that we can trust in and believe in and know will happen is one that we don't talk about a lot, 
but Jesus is building his church. Jesus is building his church. In Matthew 6, 18, 16, 18, it says, I tell you, you are Peter. This is Jesus' conversation with Peter. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And in Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14, and this is, again, unfortunately, there would be some believers who would not agree with me on this, and that's okay for them to be wrong. (laughs) The salvation of the believer never changes. My salvation will not change. In Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, it says, In him, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. In a changing, in an ever-changing world, may those truths help us through them. God does not change. The Word does not change. Jesus does not change. Jesus is building his church and he will continue building his church. And our salvation is unchanging. Which brings me to the other verse of scripture that I wanted to look at in the book of James. I don't know about you, James has never been like one of my favorite books. And I have a feeling that part of that is it's very challenging, it's very convicting. If we want to turn to James chapter 1, we'll look at verses 22 through 25. Actually, hold that thought because I wanted to share, I told you that uh, Steve had mentioned two of the verses of Scripture. Um, The other one was this. His email said, and I'll just quote, it says, Good morning. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I just can't stop praising the Lord. See, 
these are the things that help us in this ever-changing world. We all know, what was it, three weeks ago? Pastor Caleb right here, praising the Lord that Steve and Barb are getting to go on a vacation. They had no idea this was going to happen. Because they don't know what tomorrow brings, right? And now for all of these days... They're stuck down in Mexico. She's in a hospital. Um, there have been times where they didn't know if she was going to make it. Um, and I, while I'm sharing that, I would share, I think I tried to send out an email this morning. There's been a lot of emails coming in about different things that are happening. And a summary of the most recent would be that uh, she's able to speak. The tube was removed. The breathing tube was removed from her. Uh, no longer needing that. They do suspect that she's had a stroke somewhere along the lines, and uh, but she's able to, to talk. And uh, Steve's rejoicing. They are still trying to both uh, financially and just logistically arrange a... a, a medical ambulance, air ambulance trip for her to come back to the States. But praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that, uh, again, something that they never would have even thought of. You know, I'm sure they didn't. You know, when we go down to Mexico for a vacation, you know, one of us might end up in the hospital there, and they weren't thinking that at all. because we don't know what tomorrow brings. But praise the Lord that they both do know biblical truths that never change, right? Praise the Lord for that. We could go I had thought about this too. We could make a list. It wasn't that many years ago now that uh, you know, Pastor Jerry and Laura's life was turned upside down, right? Um, cancer has impacted the lives of many believers. Um, I think of Steve. I can still remember Steve's email. Uh, Greg put on the prayer chain, pray for me. I'm going to Massachusetts to preach at my dad's service and he doesn't come home. Praise the Lord, though, for his faith and the faith of his family because although they didn't know what tomorrow brought they know what they have already right that tomorrow can't change that tomorrow can affect anyway do continue to pray for Barb and Steve that they would 
that she would recover and that they would be able to get her home. Um, James 1, 22 through 25. Again, this is a tough passage for us, I think, sometimes. He said, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks intent, excuse me, who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Oh Lord, forgive us for the times that we've been simply hearers of the word and not doers ultimately only deceiving ourselves, right? Not pulling one over on him. So this has been my other thought rambling around in my brain. <laughs> Picture. Oftentimes I, I, I will read something and I will, I will picture something. My picture that I would invite you to join me in <laughs> would be looking as if that whole wall was a mirror. The whole wall. It's tilted perfectly so every one of you, and if I turn around me, can see ourselves clearly. We're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, or for those of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the first things we're going to see is that we're all clothed the same way. We're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Now, if we all had on the same clothes, it would look kind of funny. But this doesn't look funny at all. Every one of us clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Someone might look at the other and say, that looks really good on you. The righteousness of Jesus. Everyone who's looking in that mirror, we know God and his son Jesus. Don't take that for granted. We're a small percentage of the people who walk the face of the earth that that can say that. A small percentage. By God's doing... Everyone that's looking in that mirror are in Christ. We're seated right now in Christ in heavenly places, the word tells us. Collectively, as we look in that mirror, we're all forgiven of our sins. We all have a promised home in heaven. We all have a promised return of our Savior. We have his promise of sufficient grace every day. We have the promised 
provision of all that we need for life and godliness, the Word tells us. We are children of God, members of the church, the body of Christ. The challenge for all of us looking in the mirror is when we turn away from the mirror. Will you forget who you are? Will you forget what is yours? Will you forget the things that can be yours, like peace and contentment? The Apostle Paul, he didn't say he was born again and became content. He said he learned how to be content in everything. It's a process, but it's ours to have. God's not holding back contentment from us. He's not holding back peace from us. We just have to obtain it his way, right? So as we, again, as we close this morning uh, in a word of prayer in just a minute, let's be challenged to not forget who we are in Christ. And I would, I would, it's a pleading of mine for believers to remember that we're members of the church, the body of Christ. I know that there are some who struggle in their faith to separate church from country church from government. You need to do it. You need to appreciate all that you have living in the country that you live in. But don't ever forget that you're a member of the body of Christ. You're a member of the church. Your home is in heaven. Your promises are in him. He's building his church. So we shouldn't be so caught up in trying to build something that he's not building. Because it will only bring about frustration, discontentment, no peace, much anxiety, and all the other stuff like that. So, don't forget who we are in Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for... Lord, thank you for uh, working in our hearts and our lives, for molding and shaping us, for being ever willing to forgive us for our shortcomings for the things that we do that are not pleasing. Help us. 
Help us, Lord, to remember who we are. Help us not to, to be those who turn away from the mirror and sometimes it seems immediately we forget who we are. Help us to not do that. I thank you for um, your word. I thank you for the promises that are ours. I just pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I do pray for Steve and Barb and their situation. And thank you that you're working there and that Barb is doing better. I think of others of our church family our extended church family who are struggling with different things that uh, the change of life brings about. And I just pray that you would uh, sustain each one of them, that you would be uh, their strength every day, and that, that we would all collectively rejoice in you every day. And we would thank you for it and give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.